The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Labor Day. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, September 4th, 2023. It is Labor Day. Everybody else got the day off, but don't you worry. Us sports guys are here and uh, happy to be here on a Monday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on ESPN 106.7. My name is Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here in the studio Man, do we have some things to talk about today. We have college football to recap from over the weekend. Week one, almost in the books. Got one more game tonight, Clemson and Duke. Uh, That game uh, should be pretty interesting. That is uh, tonight on ESPN, I believe. Uh, That that one's going to be interesting. But other than that, week one of college football is in the books. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about Auburn and their win over UMass on Saturday, 59-14. to We're going to talk about some of the other results around the SEC and college football. Wasn't exactly the best weekend for the SEC, was it? Wasn't exactly the best weekend for the conference that pounds its chest and claims to be the best year in and year out. Uh, there's a conference out west that I've said is going to be really, really good that went undefeated this weekend in college football. So we're going to talk about all the big results in in week one. And of course, Auburn's win over UMass, the Hugh Freeze era, off to a hot start. The Tigers are 1-0. Hugh Freeze had uh, his weekly press conference earlier today. Um, We'll talk about a little bit of what he had to say. Probably have a chance to play that for you uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But I hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all having a fantastic weekend, having a good Labor Day. Hopefully, uh, most of you have the day off today. So whether you're, uh, if you have to work today or if you're at home, if you're out on the boat, whatever you're doing today, hope you're having a fantastic Monday and Labor Day. Uh, Lots to talk about today. I mentioned already we're going to talk a lot of college football. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, a good buddy of mine, has offered his time on his day off of work after a busy weekend, opening weekend for Auburn football and the Auburn Sports Network. He is going to join the show today an hour earlier uh, than he normally does. He normally joins us at 3.30. He's going to join us at 2.30 on the phone lines here today, so coming up in about 30 minutes or so. He'll join us on the phone lines to give us his thoughts on what he saw Auburn versus UMass on Saturday. So excited to talk to uh, my good buddy Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. So that'll be at 2.30. Plus have um, some Braves Today podcast audio because I know it was college football this weekend and I know that's what everybody kept their eye on. But did you see what happened in Los Angeles? The Braves are rolling and the Braves proved They are the best team in all of Major League Baseball. And what some people were saying was the biggest series of the year so far, and Atlanta looked 
unstoppable. Looked unstoppable. So, Lindsey Crosby, Ben Taylor, uh, they recapped the entire series. I'm going to play that for you today because you've got to get caught up in what's happening around Major League Baseball with the Atlanta Braves. So, that's what's on on the schedule for today. If you are tuned in on this Monday afternoon on Labor Day, I know you watched the games over the weekend. I know you watched Auburn. I know you've got some thoughts. And I want to hear from you on this Monday afternoon. Give me a call. What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? It's overreaction Monday, right? What's some of the things that you are overreacting to or maybe other people are overreacting to in college football right now? Give me a call. You can be a part of the show and be on the line. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. 334-321-1390. Your thoughts on Auburn UMass, your thoughts on some of the upsets we had in week one of college football, uh, your thoughts on just any team that impressed or maybe depressed you in in week one of college football. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. 1390. Uh, before we get into this, did want to mention uh, if you are here in the Auburn Opelika area and you uh, were able to listen to the game over on Wings 94.3, uh, what a great first day of coverage for Auburn football here locally in the Auburn Opelika area on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. It started with game day on Wings with Uncle T Bone. Uh, Wade Bennett and Jack Hutton, they got on the air at 10.30 Saturday morning. They had a fantastic show. Those guys did a great job. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun for those guys and a great show all season long. That got it started on Saturday. Then the Tiger Tailgate Show. I know Andy Burcham and Brad Law and those guys had tons of good guests on Saturday. Tons of people stopping by the table uh, for the Tiger Tailgate Show, the countdown to kickoff, and then, of course, the Auburn football game itself. So those guys sounded fantastic, did they not? I mean, they just they do a, a wonderful, wonderful job and uh, excited that uh, everything is off and running over on Winks 94.3. So reminder, here's what the weekend slate looks like over on that radio station, folks. Thursday nights, after you're done listening to me from 2 to 4 and Bill and Dan from 4 to 6, you got to flip over to Wings 94.3 for Tiger Talk from 6 to 7. Then Friday night, you have high school football. Auburn High plays over on Wings 94.3 uh, with Scott Bagwell, Rob Payton, Jack Hutton, right? Then on Saturday, you have game day on Wings 94.3. Feeds right into the Auburn Sports Network programming with the Tiger Tailgate Show, countdown to kickoff, and then the Auburn football game. So it's a busy few days on Wings 94.3 over the weekend, and so... We're very proud and honored to be able to bring you all of that great coverage. So be sure that you are checking that out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday over on our uh, classic rock station, Wings 94.3. But let's get into what happened this weekend. All right, let's get into what happened and what we saw at Jordan-Hare Stadium, what we saw around college football and what we can break down and come up with based off of those things, right? We'll start with Auburn. It was a good day in Auburn, Alabama on Saturday. All right, it was. It was game one. The fans showed up. The The town was full. It took 30 minutes to get to the other side, right? It took forever, and that's okay. Because everybody was in town, and everybody was excited. Everybody was ready. Everybody was just really 
anxious in a good way to get the season started. And no, nobody was super stressed about Auburn playing UMass, but it was game one, and you just didn't know what we were going to see. right? We, we had been talking with head coach Hugh Freeze about it. He had been telling us these things like, you know, you're, you're going to see different sets, you're going to see different formations, you're going to see different players, but it's still week one, and you just don't truly know what you're going to get out of a week one performance from any college football team because, believe me, there are some teams right now on a Monday afternoon that are worried, nervous, and stressed about their week one performance. Auburn is not one of those teams. Are there things that have to be fixed? Absolutely. Was it a perfect performance on Saturday? No, not by any means. But Auburn does defeat UMass 59-14 to in week one. The Hugh Freeze era off to a hot start as the Tigers move to 1-0 with the 59-14 to victory. Auburn did cover that spread, by the way. They did. Auburn covered the spread of it was right around 35 points or so. And Auburn covered it. And most people didn't think they would. But there you go. Auburn looked impressive on Saturday. And they looked impressive from the opening drive where they took the ball right down the field and scored a touchdown. They did it efficiently. They did it effectively. They did it quickly. And they did it in multiple different ways. That is the Auburn offense that they've been missing for so long. And through four quarters, did it look great at all times? No, of course. Of course not. But that opening drive for Auburn, we were sitting in the press box. I was sitting with Daryl Dapperich and Lance Dahl. And we sat there and we were like, wow, that was... That was really impressive. And again, it's UMass. I know. But think about to the past. Auburn never did anything like that. Auburn's offense hasn't looked like that in a while. On an opening drive against an inferior opponent, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to be able to do. And Auburn did it. They did it with runs. They did it with passes. They did it with speed. That's what really stood out to me in that opening drive was the fact that Auburn went hurry up. After a play ended, they lined up and went again immediately. There was no time. There was no patience. They just lined up and ran another play. And that's what you're supposed to do against a team like UMass. But I think Auburn can do that even against some SEC teams moving forward, and we'll get to that as we go. But Auburn wins 59-14. to They get the opening touchdown. UMass came right back, though. UMass came right back and scored a touchdown of their own, and credit to them. Credit to them for that. And then Auburn kicked a field goal. It was 10-7. After that, Auburn had a really, really good second quarter. And we're going to get to why Auburn had three touchdowns in that second quarter. I promise. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Auburn scored 21 in the third in both teams. Auburn had third-string guys in. You score another touchdown in the fourth. You let UMass score one late. And it's 59-14 is your final score. You look at some of the some of the stats for Auburn in this game. You're starting quarterback Peyton Thorne. And we didn't expect him to play much. We didn't expect him to play for four quarters. But we did expect him to open up the game and be somewhat impressive. 
And he was okay. Wasn't great. Wasn't bad. But Hugh Freeze in his post-game press conference and even today, just a couple of hours ago, he talked about how Peyton Thorne made three big mistakes. He had three bad decisions that cost Peyton Thorne, cost Auburn. Now, you didn't lose, but those are decisions and situations that down the road against tougher teams and better teams, they absolutely could cost you. So Hugh Freeze brought up those three bad decisions, poor decisions, two separate times now. But Peyton Thorne went 10 of 17 for 141 yards and a touchdown. This is passing. Then you look at the other quarterbacks in the room. And probably the biggest storyline of definitely the first half, but probably of the game for Auburn offensively. How about Robbie Ashford? Huh? How about Robbie Ashford? He comes in, has nine carries for 51 yards, but he scored three touchdowns for you. Three touchdowns in the first half for an Auburn team that when they got to the red zone, that was just the that was the game plan. Peyton Thorne got him down there. There were a couple times early, especially those three decisions that were bad, according to Hugh Freeze, that Peyton Thorne didn't make. He missed two touchdown throws on the same drive, folks. He missed two touchdown passes. He missed red one, and he missed through the other. So they pulled him, and they put Robbie Ashford in. And what did Robbie do? He went right down and scored. He did it again, and then he did it again. We knew going into this game, And Hugh Freeze has told us going into this season that Robbie Ashford will have packages. He said it again today. Robbie Ashford is crucial to our success. Crucial to our success. And he is vital to us winning football games. That's Hugh Freeze talking about about Robbie Ashford and Auburn. And so you saw that on Saturday. You saw Peyton Thorne run the offense pretty well. We'll talk about the running backs in just a second. But you saw Peyton Thorne run the offense pretty well, have a few miscues. Hugh Freeze ripped him for it. If you saw the videos or saw it live in person on Saturday, Hugh Freeze let him know that he messed up. So he put Robbie in. And Robbie was able to run the offense in the red zone and score three rushing touchdowns. And you got to love it. you got to love to see it. Right, I, I have been one of those people. And if you listen to this station, if you listen to this show, you know this. I have been extremely critical of Robbie Ashford. I have. I'll own that. I've been extremely critical. But I've also said that his upside is really, really good. And I've also said that his potential is through the absolute roof. There's a reason he didn't really throw the football on Saturday. And when he did, he was two for six for a whopping three yards. They're not going to use him as a passer because that's not where he's meant to be used. That's not his skill set. His skill set is his athleticism and his running skills and what seemed to be his decision-making, which Hugh Freeze, he mentioned this today, where Robbie really didn't have to make a whole lot of decisions on those plays. They were pretty 
They were pretty open. They were pretty plain and simple, self-explanatory type things, right? But Robbie still made the play, and he still scored three touchdowns, and he was a crucial part to Auburn winning this game. You can't take that away from him. But Hugh Freeze said today, moving forward down the road, when you're playing SEC squads, yeah, you're going to have to actually make a decision and make the right decision to be successful in those types of plays. But on Saturday, Robbie had his name called. It was his time to shine, and he took advantage of it. And that's what Hugh Freeze wanted. That's what you, the Auburn fan, wanted. And you got it on Saturday. And you have to give all the credit and respect in the world to Robbie Ashford for being ready when his name and number was called. It was exciting to see. I'm glad he got that. I'm glad he got to do that. And I don't think that's going anywhere. I don't think it's going anywhere. Because if it works, why go away from it? And if Peyton Thorne on Saturday wasn't making the right decisions every time, then yeah, Hugh Freeze felt the best call was to put Robbie Ashford in the football game. And it turned out it was. And you'd love to see it for a guy like Robbie, who's been here, he's been here through some tough times. He's, he's taken so much heat from people like me, people like you, the fans. But yet he's still here. He's still battling. And he's the biggest storyline coming out of the football game on Saturday. And so credit to Robbie. I was excited for that. I'm happy he got that. The running game for Auburn was impressive like we knew it would be. We'll talk about that when we come back. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts and your takeaways from Auburn football's performance on Saturday versus UMass? Give me a call here on a Labor Day Monday, 334-321-1390. We'll talk more Auburn football and their win versus UMass on Saturday when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067 for the Labor Day edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you here on a Monday afternoon. Let's talk a little bit about that Auburn running game uh, before we get to another break. Also, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will be joining me coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour at about 2.30. He normally joins me Monday at 3.30s, but I think he's got a tea time for golf going. So, he look. He's, he's ditching me on his normal time, but he was kind enough to come on early, and then he's going to go and hit it around at the golf course. So we appreciate him joining us. He'll be with us in just a few minutes on the phone lines here on, on the line. But let's talk about that running game for just a second for Auburn on Saturday because it's no secret, okay, it's no secret that Auburn is going to absolutely run the football on, on, on every single game that they play. They are going to run the football, and they are going to do it extremely well. Going in, there was the, the, the big, big red question mark, will Jarquez Hunter play? He's been practicing. There's been little to no updates on the back end of, of all the situation going on, and it truly was up in the air going into Saturday. The team came out for warm-ups, and he was not dressed out. And, of course, he did not end up playing on Saturday. But here's the thing. 
even though Jarquez Hunter did not play, the running back room looked awesome. I mean, it looked phenomenal. Like I told you it would. Like everybody's been talking about that it would. And that it continue, that it will continue to be. I mean, this running back room is absolutely stacked. You look at the rushing stats and the rushing totals and the carry numbers for this running back room. Damari Austin with the start. Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Batie, Sean Jackson. Those guys played phenomenal. Damari Austin, uh, I mean, you could, uh, I've said this before. You could put Damari Austin on over half of the SEC teams right now, and he would be their, their starting running back. I believe that. I truly believe that. That Damari Austin is good enough right now to be starting on a, over half of the SEC rosters at running back. He had eight carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown on Saturday. Looked really, really good. Averaged five yards a carry. You had Jeremiah Cobb, a guy that good friend of the show, Daryl Dapperich, really, really likes. He had five carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. One of those being the 42-yard touchdown that he ran, broke off and just ran over and ran away from everybody on Saturday. Brian Batie, really impressed by him. Eight total carries, tied with Damari for most with the running backs, for 31 yards. So he averaged four yards a carry. And how about Sean Jackson? Huh? How about Sean Jackson, the big bowling ball himself, Sean Jackson with five carries, for 64 yards, 45 of those coming on his touchdown run. This Auburn running back room is really, really good. And Auburn rushing, if you add in the quarterbacks, they put up 289 total yards on the ground. And I think they can do even better than that. I really do. I think they can do even better than that. As the season goes on, as they get more comfortable, as they figure out their true game plan, and then when you add who I think is going to be an all-SEC running back and Jarquez Hunter in 2023, who again didn't play on Saturday. And the running backs looked really good. But you know who looked even better? You know who made all that possible? How about the guys up front in the offensive line? There were very, very few times that a quarterback, whether it was Peyton Thorne or Robbie later on or even Holden, at the end, there were very few times that the quarterback in the pocket was rushed, flushed out, and had to make a play. And the few times that did, let me say this, the few times that there were, Peyton Thorne's footwork looks awesome. It looks unbelievable. It looks like a third-year starter in college football. His footwork in the pocket was incredible. But this offensive line played really, really well. How well did they play? How good did they perform? How about Gunnar Britton being named the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week? Let me say that again, in case you, you didn't understand what I said, because I know it's been a while. An Auburn Offensive Lineman got named SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week, and it was Gunnar Britton, who played extremely well. And you saw multiple different sets on Saturday like I figured we would. You saw numerous different players on Saturday. 
So many young guys got in, and it's still week one. And that's what's good about it. You got to use different formations, and you got to use different combinations of players. But shout out the offensive line. They looked unbelievable. They helped the running backs carry this football team, and Auburn gets a 59-14 win over UMass in week one. When we come back, we'll get Jacob Hillman's thoughts on this game, plus some of the biggest results around college football and an update on what's going on in Auburn athletics. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us when we come back here on the Labor Day edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7. And joining us on the phone lines as he does every single Monday, it's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who uh, moved his time slot up an hour because, look, he's he, he got the day off and he wants to go enjoy himself and have fun. And so, <laughs> uh, he look, I, I'm just thankful that he was able to take the time and, and, and still give us the time to talk a little Auburn football. So, Hillman, happy Labor Day, man. Hope you're doing well. I appreciate it, Jacob, and I appreciate you adjusting. And, hey, you're on the grind today while I'm out here just playing golf and just, <laughs> you know, enjoying life as is. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you for having me on as always. Well, you're going to be on the grind today out there trying to uh, improve that swing and score a little bit. It's still hot out there, not as high temperatures, but it's still uh, it's still pretty hot out there on, on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah, a little toasty, but I think I think I can manage it. Like you said, it's not as hot as it was about two, three weeks ago, and fortunately, Saturday was the, was an even more beautiful day. So, yeah, let, let's hop right into it. Yeah, well, let's talk about Auburn uh, on Saturday, and, and first, I want to talk about uh, your uh, you and the Auburn Sports Network. Of course, the first football broadcast of the season uh you had the tiger tailgate show countdown to kickoff of course the auburn game versus umass um and everything was was awesome you guys sounded fantastic everything went went perfectly over a wings 94-3 our first game over there for auburn football and the auburn sports network as well and so what was it like for you guys just to get back in action on saturday and get things rolling on the auburn sports network side of things yeah it's a great year because obviously there's a lot of a lot of moving parts, a lot of new people on the crew. I, I guess one new guy on the crew, and, and, and Jason obviously moving up to the color analyst role, and we were able to um, able to understand White for his 22 years of service on the call uh, on the field pregame. And, you know, it, it's funny him talking about how he hadn't watched a game the way he did since 1994 on, on his bye week when he was with the Giants. He came back to Auburn and watched the game, and that was the last time he watched the game in that capacity and the first thing he said was man this is awkward when he got up and was in his seat and it, and it was really funny but yeah as far as the broadcast on Saturday Jason did an amazing job and Will Herring will be the sideline reporter on Saturday at Cal after uh, learning the ropes a little bit from Ronnie and he also did it on A-Day so he, he he's ready to go and he's 100% dependent it's going to be a blast I think in California and it was on Saturday so uh, they, they sounded really good Paul Ellen was back uh, as a studio host, so you know th- things were looking great on Saturday, and they sounded great as well. 
And, of course, Auburn was buzzing on Saturday. The fans showed up, showed out. Jordan-Hare Stadium, with adding those new seats in the offseason, broke its attendance record with over 88,000 people that came and watched Auburn defeat UMass by a score of 59-14. to uh, Just a, a really, really wonderful day in Auburn for Hugh Freeze to get off to a 1-0 start in his era as the head coach at Auburn football. It really was. And, and as I mentioned, the weather was beautiful. It wasn't too hot. It, it was just one of those days where – where everything went well, and, and and having everyone back for kickoff on the planes, the, you know, obviously that season opening game, that home opener is always just something special. I talked about it last week, where when when you get the Auburn family back together, that nothing beats that, and and it really wasn't any different this past Saturday, and 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 as you said, the buzz in the air was was a little different. It was just amplified a bit. Uh, that Tiger Walk seemed like it was absolutely wild. It was it was insane in the stadium and. And I, I really am just looking forward to the rest of the season, and especially when we get into SEC play, what this, what this campus and, and, and what that city is going to be like uh, on those Fridays and those weekends. Well, let's look at the, the game itself, Hillman, as Auburn wins 59-14 to off to a 1-0 start for Hugh Freeze, off to a 1-0 start in the 2023 campaign. Auburn started out hot offensively, drove right down the field very quickly, scored a touchdown. UMass did the exact same thing. It was 7-7 after about five or ten minutes of actual game time. Uh, but then Auburn was able to pull away thanks to the help of a couple quarterbacks in play, the running backs, defense stepped it up as well. Your breakdown and takeaways from Auburn's 59-14 to win in week one versus UMass. Really just a clean and well-executed game plan by by the entire team offensively and defensively I think the defense uh, maybe wasn't quite I think I talked about this last week their, their quarterback and how dynamic of a runner he was I, I don't think they were ready for him on that first drive and they adjusted quicker than I anticipated I mean just that one drive and they were ready to go so uh, other than that one drive I think it was really clean just a couple penalties no, no, nothing really major in the game to take away that you think that's a glaring issue I think uh, some folks were we're concerned a little bit about the rush defense, and I think that's something that can be cleaned up a little bit. Coach Freeze talks about in his weekly presser today how that's some alignment issues, and that's something that can be uh, solved with uh, the linebackers. They're a young group, or or at least they're learning a new defense, so they're, they're less experienced in that. they got to figure that out a little bit. But offensively, I mean, you saw a little bit of everything, I think. You, obviously, the passing attack is going to be different. Uh, in, inside the red zone, saw a lot of Robbie Ashford. Uh, I say a little bit of everything, but – Coach Freeze mentioned that probably didn't show as many looks as you're going to see throughout the year. Obviously, the game uh, after that first drive was all in Auburn's favor, so you didn't really have to show too much, and, and I think that, uh, that that's a positive thing. Going into Cal this week, you're, you're going to have your hands full because this is a pretty solid rushing attack. We saw that uh, when they played against North Texas this past weekend, and Coach Freeze is really hyping up their running back, so I think that that Cal team is going to give Auburn obviously, obviously a little bit more trouble than UMass, but it's going to be interesting to see the offense open up, I think. Yeah, and what about uh, what about Robbie Ashford, right? You brought him up, and it seems to be the one of the biggest storylines coming out of the game uh, for Auburn on Saturday. Robbie coming in uh, in those red zone packages, had three rushing touchdowns on nine carries for 51 yards. Um, it really was the, the difference and the separator for Auburn in that first half versus UMass. How good was it to see him, when his name and number were called, come in and execute the game plan? Yeah, it, it's funny. We talked about, I think, all offseason, even after – 
uh, Peyton Thorne was named the starting quarterback, that it's going to be difficult to keep Robbie off the field because of how talented and athletic he was. Coach Freeze has said that, and that proved to be the point on Saturday. As soon as Auburn was getting in the red zone, it was, all right, when, when is Ashford coming in? And it was almost pretty obvious that he was going to score every time he touched the ball and ran with it. And, and, and that's one of those things that we saw it against some of the top SEC defenses in the country last season. Obviously, he had that 20-yard run against Alabama. He had his first touchdown against Missouri, and then uh, he had great games against Texas A&M. He played well against Ole Miss in a loss. It's it's one of those things that we saw it last year against really, really tough defenses, and he could send you that on opening day, and he's really solidifying himself with a role in this offense. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining me here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Usually at 3.30, moved it up a little bit with the Labor Day holiday, and we appreciate him doing that here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Defensively for Auburn, uh, you mentioned how after that first drive, they they really locked down and, and, and adjusted a few things. Hugh Freeze talked about it today uh, in his press conference where had some alignment issues. I think he said about 15 plays, Hillman, where they were misaligned in week one, and those are things that you have to get cleaned up. But two guys that really stood out that you just you couldn't go you couldn't go two or three plays on defense without them being involved. Eugene Asante and Donovan Kaufman, those guys were all over the football field defensively on Saturday. What did you see from them, and then the defense as a whole? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add one other guy to that, and it's the same position as Donovan Kaufman, Keontae Scott. But I think those three guys are are the three standouts on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, from this past weekend. I had Jalen Simpson, obviously, as well, with the fumble recovery and pick mm-hmm. six. But I think flying to the ball the way they were, uh, the three guys that we just mentioned, certainly were uh, the standout. Eugene Asante really provided a spark for Auburn uh, when he entered the game. And, and I thought that was really interesting. I think he can be that workhorse linebacker that, you know, has a lot of tackles. And, you know, the last few years, Owen Papo has been that guy just racking up tackles every season he plays. And I think Asante has the ability to do that, as well as maybe even pressure the quarterback, which uh, the only guys getting pressure on the quarterback, it felt like, on Saturday were those star position players and Deontay Scott and Donovan Kaufman. Kaufman, man, I mean, he plays like a linebacker. And, and I think Scott can as well, but Scott does have that coverage ability, and they use that for sure. They, they try to uh, mask that as well in the defensive words. Kaufman, you can, you can almost tell each time when he's, when he's coming for the quarterback and he succeeds 99% of the time. So I think having those guys as your spark guys and, and really uh, they, they could, they, they solved a lot of problems on Saturday. Now I don't know how that's going to work as you get into some of these tougher opponents when these tackles are more athletic, they're bigger and they're stronger, but they still obviously have that ability to do some of those things and, and get pressure on the quarterback and really, uh, wreak some havoc on an offensive line. So it's going to be really interesting to see how their roles continue to, um, to to expand because, like I said, it felt like every play one of those guys was in the backfield. But I think that Scott Kaufman have a really good chance to, to uh, play out in coverage. And, and Asante, who knows, he could be that quarterback of the defense if he really steps up and, and proves to the coaches his ability. 
Auburn defensively racked up four total sacks, one of them from Donovan Kaufman, uh, another one from uh, Elijah McAllister, the uh, Vanderbilt transfer there at the linebacker spot. And, and Hugh Freeze mentioned that some of the alignment issues were from the communication side of defense, which comes from those linebackers and the guys on the back end as well. And so hopefully Auburn able to get those cleaned up. On the offensive line, Hillman, I think they looked really, really good. Gunnar Britton was named oh, yeah. SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. I mean, that's just that's unheard of, it seems like in the last few years for this Auburn team it's been a really it was it's been a really impressive camp as well as obviously week one for that entire offensive line and, and I think what was really interesting was coach Freeze's takeaway when he was asked about the rotation at defensive line and and how he plans to go forward with that because I, I thought no matter who was in that offensive line was getting pushed especially in the run game and obviously in the passing attack I don't think there were any glaring issues there as well. There were a few times uh, maybe Peyton uh, had to scramble a bit, but that also could have been a product of him holding the ball for a, a second too long. But either way, I think the offensive line did its job and, and really asserted itself as a force uh, for this Auburn team and a strength. And, of course, the running backs in the backfield were, were stellar as well. But I think that as far as the rotation on the offensive line goes, he, he and Coach Free said it, you really don't have any starters or, or first team. It's just, all right, based off whatever defensive front they're going to see, that's who they'll put in. And it, it could be any sort of combination because they did start cross-training towards the last two weeks of camp where uh, you can put Gunnar Britton at left guard. You can put him at right tackle, left tackle, wherever uh, he is needed or wherever he plays his best against a certain defensive scheme. So I'm excited to see uh, – what happens in the first power conference game of the year uh, against, you know, ACC opponent California this upcoming weekend. But it, it's going to be really, really, really key for that offensive line to, to continue to gel and, and get better because they're, 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 it's obviously still an improvement. But I, I think that with it's kind of like the defensive line. I think they're in a similar situation where there's so many new guys mm-hmm. that they aren't quite communicating the way um, you would expect uh, a team to. But – that, that just comes with playing in time. So uh, I'm excited. I think by SEC play, I think that, that certainly comes along. Hillman, i got to ask, outside of, the, uh, outside of the Auburn-UMass game, biggest result in college football week one. I know we got one more game tonight with Clemson and Duke, but uh, biggest result or biggest shock over the weekend in week one of college football in your eyes? Yeah, a couple to, to me, LSU. I, I, I'm shocked that. Yeah. And it's just like credit, credit, to, credit to FSU. I think they are a solid football team. I didn't expect LSU to uh, to let them pull away like they did towards the end of the game, but I, I still think that they could still be a force in the SEC. Just going to take some things to clean up. Obviously, Brian Kelly wasn't happy about their second-half performance, so uh, who knows? That could have been just FSU making its adjustments and, and LSU maybe, maybe going in feeling a little too cocky. But obviously, Colorado, man. I mean, wow, what a performance from them and that offense. I, I truly went in uh, expecting TCU to win in the blowout. I, I didn't think – I think they were 20-and-a-half-point favorites. I didn't think that was even close to enough. Uh, so credit wow. to Deion Sanders and, and getting those those players to buy in. And, and uh, I'm excited for the Pac-12 this season, man. I hate that it's the last year that it's a thing because I think that's going to be a really exciting conference to pay attention to and watch. 
Yeah, I've said it. I think it's it. I said it before they went undefeated in week one, by the way, Jacob Hillman. Uh, I said that, yeah, I said that they're going to be the best conference in college football, but you won't know it because they're all so good at the top that they're all just going to do what they do every year and they're going to beat up on each other. And maybe they have somebody there near the end or maybe they won't. But uh, no, I'm excited about that conference as well. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. One more thing before I let you get out of here. I know you got to get get over to uh, the golf course to get your tee time and ready to go. Auburn Volleyball, as of about 10 or 15 minutes ago, for the first time in program history, Auburn Volleyball is ranked in the top 25. They came in at number 25 in this week's newest college volleyball poll. What a fantastic um, job that uh, Brent Crouch has done with Auburn Volleyball, and what a milestone for this program after they start the season 5-0, and Jacob Hillman. You, you really can't it, – it can't be overstated enough what Coach Brent Crouch and, and even these players because these are the players – a lot of these players were here when he, when he, when he joined the program and, and started leading it, and, and it's really been a special last two years. It started off rough. It, it really did. Uh, I think in the COVID year they went 0-8 and didn't even compete in the spring season, but then after that they have really made strides to improve. And, and finding that number by your name for the first time in program history – that that really is special, and I can't wait uh, for SEC play in Neville Arena because it is going to be uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a lot of fun, and and volleyball is one of those sports that I'm telling you, go out watch it. It's going to be a blast. So all those matches are free to attend at Neville Arena. They've got a few games this weekend, Thursday through Saturday, I believe. Uh, it might be Friday through Sunday. Don't quote me on that. Go to AuburnTigers.com to see the full schedules, but it, it's going to be a blast in Neville Arena for Auburn volleyball this year. Yeah, man, they're they're so exciting to watch, and and again, I just I really enjoy seeing Brent Crouch and this team talking with Brent Crouch. He joins me uh, here in the studio once every few weeks to talk about the Auburn program, and now we get to talk about them as a top twenty-five team. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network he joins me every Monday. We appreciate him taking a few minutes on Labor Day to talk to us here on ESPN one hundred six seven. Hillman, you guys did a fantastic job on Saturday. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you guys have going on for the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter and social media at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow at AU Sports Network. Tiger Talk will obviously be in studio this week. At, uh, guys, will be, everyone will be traveling over to California to the West Coast. But that'll still be a Thursday at 6 o'clock Central. Uh, you can listen to that right here on Wings 94.3. Or not right here, but you can listen to that on Wings 94.3. And then Saturday, obviously, uh, Auburn at California, 9.30 Central time Ooh. kickoff. Mm. Coverage will begin at 6.30 Central. So, hey. That's a great way to, to, to fall asleep listening to Andy Burst from Jason Campbell, Will Herring, Brad Law, Paul Allen, all the whole, the whole crew uh, as you go to sleep and listen to an Auburn victory. You're saying Andy Burcham's voice puts you to sleep, Jacob Hillman? Well, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> After the final whistle, then you can listen to the Regions Bank postgame show with, with Brad Law in the locker room, Paul Allen. Uh, hosting the hosting the show and and that's how you fall asleep it's perfect yeah don't tell andy you said that i won't tell him either but hey we appreciate <laughs> you man that's not what i said <laughs> no i don't know i don't know man it's what it sounded like to me Nah, i'm just messing with it hey man i appreciate you go go hit him well today and we'll talk to you next monday all right I appreciate it, Jacob. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, good friend of mine, and taking some time here on a Labor Day to talk to us on ESPN 1067. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the Labor Day edition of On the Line, if you will, here on ESPN 106.7. A huge shout out and thanks to good friend of mine, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, taking the time today here on Labor Day to talk a little Auburn football, Auburn athletics with us as well. Again, he joins me every Monday, usually at 3.30. I moved him up an hour this week. He's got some things going on. He's going out on the golf course on a day off, like you should if you have the opportunity to do that. So uh, he was kind enough to still come on the show uh, here and talk a little Auburn football and college football and Auburn athletics with us as well. So I uh, appreciate him and his time. I got a minute or so here before the uh, before the hour is up. And as I brought up to him there at the end of that conversation, if you missed it, literally like 15, 20 minutes ago, it just came out. Auburn volleyball, for the first time, in program history, okay, the first time in program history, Auburn volleyball is ranked in the top 25. And for those of you that may not really know a lot about Auburn volleyball, or if you don't care about Auburn volleyball, you should, okay? If you don't know about it or are not a huge fan of it or whatever, I'm telling you, I've been saying it for over a year on this show now, jump on. Because good things are about to happen. And they are now ranked in the top 25 at number 25 in the newest top 25 college volleyball poll. Um, This program is on the rise. And Brent Crouch, I could see it years ago. When I was a student calling the games on Weagle 91.1, I could see that he was going to turn this program around. And for the first time in their history of existence for Auburn Volleyball, they're now a top 25 program, 5-0 and on the season. Better hop on. Good things are happening on the Plains over in Neville Arena for Auburn Volleyball. Congratulations to them. Uh, we'll get Coach Crouch in here soon, um, either this week or next week, to talk about his team, his program, and we'll do that throughout the fall and throughout the volleyball season. So excited to do that, but congrats to them. And uh, I know they're putting in the work and will continue to impress for Auburn Volleyball. Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. We'll have Braves today. Plus, we'll talk some more Auburn and college football coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Labor Day. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying the day off if you have it uh, here on a Monday, September 4th, 2023. If you're at work today, I understand. I feel you. And so uh, don't worry. You're just a couple of hours away from getting home and enjoying the rest of your afternoon and evening. But hey, if you missed any of our number one of my show today, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com. You can click on the podcast center and you'll find it right there. 
or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I talked about Auburn and UMass. Still tons more to talk about on that. And look, we can't fit it into a two-hour show. So we'll be talking about it over the next couple of days. But started talking about that. Plus, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network uh, joined me on the phone lines, usually Mondays at 3.30. We were able to move him up, and uh, uh, he was able to join me at 2.30 as he had some things going on today as well. And so uh, we will... Uh, We'll talk to him again next Monday, but we appreciate him uh, joining us in the first hour. So if you missed any of that, be sure to check it out, ESPNAU.com. But we're going to get to the phone lines a couple times here to start hour number one. We'll talk some more Auburn UMass. Plus, we've got some uh, Braves Today audio for you as well, because if you're not paying attention to what's happening in Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves just won probably their biggest series of the season so far out in L.A. So that's what's coming up here in hour number two. But let's get to the phone lines. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Terry kicks it off here in hour number two. Hey, Terry. Hey, Jake. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. What's on your mind? Um, now that the Jocklis Hunter stuff has gone away, I suspect he'll play full, wholeheartedly next week. I think I saw something or heard something where uh, California gave like 220 yards rushing in the first half. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't an overly impressive rushing defensive performance for Cal, but did you see their offensive rushing performance, Terry? Do I want to know it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it was fifty-eight points. So I know it's pretty good. Yeah, well, it was it was impressive enough for Hugh Freeze to uh, go out of his way and mention it in his weekly press conference today, uh, and he gave massive respect and credit to Cal and their run game and their couple of running backs that they use. Well, I'd like to think Auburn's a little bit better defensively than who they played this week. Yeah, I mean, you, you would like to think so, but Auburn didn't look just fantastic defensively running on, no. run, on rush defense. And look, we've heard about that all offseason long, right, Terry? We've heard about that the rush defense in practice was struggling, and there's a there was a big question of, okay, well, is the rush defense just not there yet, or is Auburn's offensive rushing just that good? And I said it's a combination of both, and I think you saw that and could hear that and see that on Saturday because Auburn's running backs and the offensive line performed really, really well, and they ran all over the yard, and I think they'll continue to do that. But UMass ran the ball on Auburn on Saturday, not really up between the tackles. UMass figured out, okay, instead of running at the big 350-pound SEC defensive lineman, we'll just go outside and go around them and test Auburn's linebackers in secondary, and they had pretty good success doing it. What Do you know the final numbers California gave up rushing? Do you have any idea? Uh, let me see. I am pu- pulling it up right now. Cal played North Texas this weekend, and yep. the uh, let's see, the total yards – that Cal gave up on on rushing against North Texas. Cal won 58-21, by the way, in case anybody uh, was, was, was curious on the final score and didn't see it. They gave up, let's see, North Texas had, um, according to ESPN, they gave up 41 yards of rushing. 41 yards? They must have had a heck of a second half then. Well, North Texas threw for 184 yards, and they mm-hmm. ran for 41 yards. Um, they did pretty much all their, according to this, they did pretty much all of their uh, all their damage through the air. Cal, on the other hand, ran all over the place. They they really did some damage. Okay, so is Auburn's going to try? You think they'll try to keep the ball away from them? That's what I would do. But yeah. I'm not a coach. Yeah, so. I mean, well, you got to think in, in that Cal and North Texas game, Cal had 669 total yards. North Texas had a total of 225. So um, North Texas didn't really get to do a whole lot. But, no, I think Auburn on Saturday coming up against Cal, 
Uh, yeah, I think they're going to run the football, take their time, and, and the new rules in college football allow you to do that a little bit. And, yeah, I think Auburn's just going to do their thing and not give Cal a ton of opportunities to run because you look at them, they're running back, they're starting running back at 20 carries for 188 yards and two touchdowns alone. Mm. Hey, how about that 9.30 Central Time kickoff? Yeah, Hugh Freeze talked about that a little bit today. He was asked about it and and said, you know, he had admittedly not uh, not thought about it enough, probably, and how the team would adjust and how you, you know, how you practice and train and sleep throughout this week leading up to that, right? Uh, he did mm-hmm. say that the team would uh, fly out late Thursday night. He said they want to get there and basically get to California on Thursday night and go straight to bed. Um, and then Friday, they're going to keep it as normal as possible. And he said Saturday is going to be the tough day because you just got to sit around, right? You, I mean, you'll do some sort of minor walkthrough or whatever but you're just going to be sitting around and waiting for a 9 30 your time kick and and i what is that 6 30 local time out there i think um but yeah 9 30 central time kick on saturday it's going to be interesting which is why some people are sort of worried about this game and you're uh, uh jack and uncle t will probably show 5 30 right it'll be at, it's unusual yes they're playing a game at 9 30 at night yeah i Starting. think yeah i think the i saw the game notes today it ties for the latest kickoff that auburn has ever had for auburn football 9 30 no kidding mm-hmm. yeah that's a long time jack appreciate it man. take yeah, care yourself. appreciate the call you too terry appreciate you calling in 334-321-1390 i believe uh, we have another phone call we're going to get to that right now 334-321-1390 you're on the line who am i speaking with mike hey mike how are you man Oh, man, doing good, just enjoying everything in the beautiful city of Auburn. Good, good. It's a beautiful day out there, isn't it? Oh, man, it don't get no prettier than it is here. But look here, I've been wanting to cool everybody's fire a little bit okay. about, about the game. Um, they, I, I, I watched Thorne, and um, he threw two or three balls that if he, it had been in an SEC game, there'd have been a bunch of orange and blue chasing them the other way. You better believe it. You, you're absolutely right. And it's funny you say that because uh, earlier today in Hugh Freeze's press conference, he brought that up. Not only did he bring it up Saturday night in the postgame Ooh, press he conference. Threw one, he threw one that Auburn, Auburn High School quarterback wouldn't have thrown. <laughs> Well, there was there was Hugh Freeze said there were three decisions on Saturday that Peyton Thorne made Ooh. that that he was not overly impressed with that he was disappointed in and that he's got to get cleaned up. And you're right, man. There's a couple balls and look, he had two touchdown passes on the same drive that he missed, and then they brought oh, Robbie Ashford. I, I know it, I, and I've been hearing about him and hearing about him. He got to show me more what he showed me Saturday to to compete in the SEC. And I think because, you will. Uh, a lot of people are all excited about the win, and I'm glad everybody is. I had a good time and everything at the game. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this much. They 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 better not get too excited because he throws in balls against Georgia in a couple of weeks. It ain't going to be a good day. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think Hugh Freeze knows that and more importantly, Mike, I think Peyton Thorne knows that as well. And um and if you saw on the sidelines on Saturday after Peyton Thorne had a couple of those bad decisions, Hugh Freeze lit him up on the sidelines, buddy. You better believe it. He was all in it. And um and I think that Peyton Thorne as an experienced quarterback in Power 5 college football he knows that he can't get away with those things against a Georgia, like you mentioned, right? He knows he and can't get away with And another thing is our linebackers. Jesus Christ. 
they 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 are not big linebackers. I looked at them while they were warming up. I mean, whatever ha- we used to have some of the best linebackers in the country. I mean, I think they're I think they're really talented. No, they're not the yeah, biggest. They're small. No, they're not. You're right. They're not the biggest by any means. But I think they're they are talented. I think they're experienced, and I think they play a really physical brand of football. Did they have a great game on Saturday? No, and they've got some things to work on. I think they have a lot of communication things to work on. To be I'm quite worried about Cal. I'm worried about Cal running the football on them because. Um, that running back, I watched that game, mm-hmm. and that running, that one running back from Cal, he's a bruiser. Yeah, Ott is his name, the last name from Cal. Oh, what was his name? Uh, it was so late at night, and I, and I had had a few adult beverages. So. <laughs> well, the last name is Ott, O-T-T for Cal. That's it. That's the That's guy. It. had 20 carries for 188 yards and two touchdowns. He's a bruiser. Yeah, he is. And Hugh Freeze talked about him today. He's fast, he's physical, and he's not afraid to run somebody over. And you better believe that oh, Auburn no, knows about him. He ran over one. He, that, that, one, that one boy in that game is still looking for that truck that <laughs> run over him. Yeah, he, well, he was right, impressive. Jacob, hey, I've enjoyed talking to you, man, but hey, War Eagle, and let's get at it. There you go, Mike. Appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you on a Labor Day. Glad you're out enjoying enjoying the day. 334-321-1390. I appreciate Mike and Terry both calling in here to start hour number two. Would love to hear from you as well on this Monday Labor Day edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. To kind of to, to go into some of those things that those gentlemen were bringing up. And look, there's more for me to talk about. There's more that I'll get into uh, as the week goes on, recapping Auburn Cal and the, or recapping Auburn UMass, excuse me, and then previewing Auburn and Cal. When it comes to when it comes to the linebackers, because Mike brought that up, and I think it's an interesting point. Auburn's linebackers, and you you've got the combination of your Jack and your linebackers, whatever other position they want to name it nowadays. Um, they got some pressure, but at the same time, uh, I told Terry this, UMass, they realized, okay, we're not going to try and run straight up the middle because our offensive line can't hang with the physicality and the size of Auburn's defensive line. Let's get out to the edge and see what can happen. And UMass did it, and they did it pretty well on Saturday. Auburn's linebackers in secondary struggled to get and close the gap close to tackle at times, um, and UMass figured that out, and they took advantage of it. Now, they would get in a second or third and long situation, and there wasn't a whole lot they could do because UMass didn't really pose a, a, a throwing threat on Saturday. And to be honest with you, I don't know if, if Cal is really going to pose the biggest throwing threats I mean they threw for 300 yards don't get me wrong and the quarterback looked good doing it he had a touchdown and a pick was 24 of 34 for 279 uh, was Ben Finley who by the way didn't get the start if you were watching the game they had a guy that started he came out and this guy came in and just absolutely lit it up but you're also playing North Texas Auburn's defense is going to be able to stop the pass for the most part but they got to find a way to close the gaps on the edge and not let guys get outside and find empty space and have one-on-one opportunities. You can't have that. You can't have that because you play somebody like Cal this weekend and you let 
and you let that running back, Jaden Ott, go off for 20 carries, 190 yards against you, Auburn's going to lose against Cal if you let a guy like that go off. If you let a guy like that bounce outside and build up some speed and momentum against you. And you look at Cal, their three biggest runners, one had 20 carries, one had 10 carries, the other one had 13 carries. And they totaled for almost 300 yards by themselves. And six touchdowns. Auburn can't let that happen on Saturday. But Auburn's defense is better than North Texas. And so, I think when it comes to the linebackers, again, like Mike brought up, no, they're not the biggest, but I do think they're talented. And I still think Auburn is trying to figure out who their go-to linebackers are. But somebody like Eugene Asante was all over the field on Saturday. All over the field. I told Jacob Hillman in the first hour, you couldn't go three or four plays without number nine being in the play, without him being there somewhere involved. And that has to that has to excite you when it comes to the linebackers. How about Elijah McAllister from the jack position, the transfer from Vanderbilt? He got a sack on the day. His stats didn't blow you away, but he was one of the four. He combined and got one of the four sacks for the Auburn defense. Hugh Freeze said it today, the communication and the play calling was a big part in why Auburn was misaligned on over 15 plays defensively. That has to change. That has to get better. But I don't think the linebackers being, quote, undersized or not big, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. Now, very well could be wrong when Georgia comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium or LSU or Texas A&M or whoever that you have to play. We may find a situation where, yeah, maybe Auburn's linebackers aren't big enough or physical enough. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it is, but maybe that'll be proven wrong. I hope not. I absolutely hope not. But if there is one thing defensively that you can look at and and really knock on Auburn on Saturday was that run defense. And it's something we've heard about the entire offseason. It's something we heard about throughout fall camp. And... We knew Auburn's running game was good going up against Auburn's defense. But this was the first time that we saw an outside rushing attack go against Auburn's defensive front, linebackers, and secondary. And and again, they didn't have their way. They didn't just have a field day. But they, they found some holes, and they found some gaps, and they found some, they found some momentum against Auburn on Saturday and so for somebody like Mike that called in or anybody else out there if you are worried about Cal and their running game which looked really good one of the best rushing attacks and rushing performances in week one of college football I don't think you being worried about that is necessarily wrong I really don't and I don't think it's unwarranted and just ridiculous that somebody's worried about the Cal game on Saturday Because Auburn's got to figure it out. They absolutely do. They have to figure it out. Because even UMass, UMass ran for 140 yards, which doesn't sound like a lot. But 101 of those were from one guy. One guy who had 14 carries for 101 yards. You can't let that happen. 
They contained the quarterback pretty well. He had eight carries for just 34 yards. But Auburn let one guy go off for 100 yards. And you saw a guy at Cal go off for almost 200 alone. 334-321-1390. We'll look at some other games around college football this weekend, plus some Braves Today audio as the Bravos did a huge, huge thing in L.A. this weekend. That's all coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Labor Day edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And James, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. What's up? Yeah. Is there any, any news? I have a, the Spectrum uh, general package. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. news about the ESPN mess. What about it? Is there any, any news out there about the Disney ESPN mess about? I how have, long it's yeah, I haven't work? seen any. I haven't seen any updates uh, about it. I know that um, I think ESPN released a statement maybe maybe yesterday, uh, sometime over the weekend. Um, but I haven't seen any updates on when it could actually be resolved. But basically, it's just. ESPN and Spectrum are in a disagreement on the money and the access and all of that. And so basically when that happens, they just quit showing it until they can come to an agreement. And so, uh, James, I haven't seen any official updates on when this is going to be resolved, uh, but I'm sure you're one of these people. There's a lot of upset fans out there. <laughs> I guarantee you. I was sitting there, and it had about 30 seconds of the Florida-Utah game come on. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was the end of that. Yep. Yeah, so, I heard it went off like 10 minutes before the game or something like that. So I'll, I also want to hear from people now. What are their options? See, I'm left here with the you know, the, the whole package, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have super, super fast Wi-Fi for them guys. So I'm, I'm going to want to hear from people this week. Where do I go? Where do I go to get to see it? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it seems like you know, streaming—the streaming option is is what most people go to. But streaming is not, you know, it's not a, a go-to option for everybody or a reliable option for everybody, depending on your situation, internet, financial, whatever it may be, right? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a ton of options, but it shouldn't be that way, right? Right, right. Yeah. No, the Wi-Fi from them, them guys nowadays is super, super fast. So, in other words, it's, I just have to go. I just have to listen to who other people say how they're going to do it. Is it going to be uh, YouTube or uh, something, Hulu, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm well, ready to pull, pull the trigger because I sure, I sure as hell want to watch it, you know. Right. No, I totally understand. And, hey, if anybody's got suggestions, let let James know. My my big all thing, right. my big thing, James, think, quickly before before you go, this will right. be this will be resolved. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be listening to Bill, Bill and them, too. Will, will Bill and them be on, on today? Yep, yep. They'll be on right after me today. Labor Day. Okay. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate the call, James. 334-321-1390. I mean, there's, there's a million different options to go and get TV nowadays, whether it be traditional cable or whether it be Spectrum or whether it be streaming, whatever the case may be. Um, but here's what I can tell you for, for James and for anybody else that's in that situation. A, I hate it. I hate it for you. Um, it's, it's terrible how it happens that way. 
but it's not the first time, and and I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's not going to be the last. Um, but what I can tell you is this will be resolved as quickly as possible because Spectrum understands. And look, I've talked to people already. They have dumped them. I talked to people within the last few days because this happened on what, Thursday? I've talked to a handful of people that have already said, I'm done. I'm not messing with it anymore. You did that and not give it, didn't give us any warning at all before Florida-Utah, the first big game of the year on ESPN, and you just cut it off just like that. I, I've talked to a handful of people that have already said, we're done, we're going somewhere else. Um, a lot of people have gone, uh, that I know have gone to YouTube TV, uh, have gone to Hulu, and different streaming platforms. But yeah, for somebody that maybe doesn't have the internet access and doesn't have strong enough internet for the streaming, um, there's there's just limited options nowadays, it seems like. But again, I can tell you from, from past situations just like this, Spectrum and, and, and Disney, because that's who it is, right? The owner of ESPN. Spectrum and Disney are going to work night in and night out to get this done because Spectrum doesn't want to lose people and Disney wants to make their money. So they're working on this all the time, but it's just a big dispute between what one side wants and what the other side's willing to give up and what one side's willing to pay for the content that the other one puts out. So um, I haven't seen any update on where or when they plan on solving this, but Usually it only lasts a couple of days. I mean, I've seen them in the past where it it clicked off because YouTube TV went through this a couple of years ago, right? It was a year or two ago that YouTube TV went through this exact thing where they lost Disney and ESPN, and it was back within like a 24-hour period. So I hate that for you, uh, for you, James. And and if anybody's been in this situation and you flipped to something else, what have you gone to? I'm curious. What if, I I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just curious whether if you've gone from Spectrum and flip to something else because of ESPN no longer being on there, let me know. I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, 334-321-1390, because think about it this way. For Auburn fans, right, if you're an Auburn Opelika, we want you to be listening on the radio over on Wings 94.3, but think about Auburn fans just across the state of Alabama and, and across the country. If you're, listen, or if you're wanting to watch Auburn football on TV, on Spectrum, you couldn't watch game one versus UMass last past Saturday. And if it doesn't get resolved before this upcoming Saturday, you won't get to watch Auburn versus Cal because that game is on ESPN, 930 kick out in California. So if you're in that situation, what do you do? Do you wait and hold out and see if they figure it out? Or do you hit the road and go somewhere else and tell Spectrum to kick rocks? I don't know, man. It's tough. It's a tough situation, and it happens all the time. I hate it, but hopefully they get it resolved. 334-321-1390 when we come back. Got some Braves Today audio for you from Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby, getting you caught up on the Atlanta Braves after they win what some people called the biggest series of the year so far in Major League Baseball. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
We've got 30 more minutes here on the Labor Day edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. My name is Jacob Goins with you every single weekday from 2 to 4 p.m. on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. And uh, Terry called in during the break to add on to that Spectrum ESPN discussion. Uh, and he said, because I brought up you know Auburn playing on ESPN this past weekend and Auburn playing on ESPN this coming weekend. He also brought up the fact that College Game Day is in Tuscaloosa this weekend for Alabama and Texas. And so people across the state and across the country with Spectrum trying to watch what will be a very highly viewed college game day on ESPN this coming Saturday morning. If you got Spectrum, as of right now, you won't be able to watch it. I hate it, and I hope they get it figured out. But with that, as I mentioned, uh, I want to play this uh, for you. It's the latest Braves Today podcast at bravetoday.com. Uh, this thing is growing like crazy. They have got thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. Uh, they've got uh, sponsors now. It's Lindsey Crosby and Ben Taylor. Of course, Lindsey Crosby, great friend of the show. Uh, he writes for Auburn Daily, bravetoday.com, and also hosts the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. And Ben Taylor, our station manager here at Auburn Network and host Auburn Opelika this morning over on News Talk WANI. 98.7. So these guys are doing a fantastic job. You know who's doing a better job though? The Atlanta Braves who went out and took care of business in Los Angeles this weekend. Ronald Acuna uh, making history front runner for the MVP. He's doing unbelievable things. And so these guys break it down on what Atlanta did this weekend. What's coming up as October approaches? This is Braves Today with Lindsey Crosby and Ben Taylor. Welcome in Braves Today, bravestoday.com. He is Lindsey Crosby. I am Ben Taylor. And Lindsey, do we not think that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the best player in baseball at this point after the Dodgers series? I mean, the way that he responded to Mookie Betts being put into uh, first place in the MVP odds makes me kind of want to go and like Photoshop some stuff and give it to Ronald before every series. And say, hey, they they think this guy's better than you now. Just so he goes off and goes nuts. I mean, in like, just, okay, just the last week since Mookie Betts was put into to, uh, first place in the MVP race, briefly, mm-hmm. 406 average, four home runs, eight runs, 11 RBIs, four stolen bases in seven games. And like now, like he's within shooting distance of that 40 home runs now. He needs eight home runs in the month of September to hit 40 home runs, which was his original goal. And he'd be at least 40-60, if not more, because he's already at 63 stolen bases and already has a record because nobody's ever had 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases. Correct. Like, that that's the one thing that sticks out in my mind. He has done something nobody else has done. So when it gets time for the MVP voting, and d- let me ask you this. This this wasn't in the run. Now, do you think it hurts him that he still does like his sidestep around third and people still may think that he's a little flashy when he's really not. In our opinion, he's not. That's the entire team's personality. If you watch him in the dugout, if you're a Braves fan and you watch him, you've got Ozzy, Arcia, you know, Acuna, even Harris Jr. jumps in or Harris second jumps in there every now and then and, and cuts up with them. Like that's their personality. That's not flashy to me. It just looks like they're a bunch of grown men that are acting like kids. I think if this was 2019, Ronald, where he's he's trying to get a 40-40 season, uh, you know, he's he's having a good year and, and he's doing that stuff. I think that's one thing. But like he's batting 335. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to 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 ding him for doing a, a a Euro step as he goes around third base 
when he's batting 330. If you're looking at MVP stuff, it's kind of hard to ding him on some of these things. And I think the fact that the whole team does it actually makes it a little more understandable that, okay, yeah, he does it too. It's like, well, they're all doing it. Marcelo Zuna's like 33 and he's doing this. There was, a, starts, there was a video celebrating at shortstop and he makes his way all the way around doing some sort of hand gesture or something and pointing and loving himself. And I'm he's doing the clap and I'm like, it's like bro, gracious. get to home plate already. There was a video before the game of 70 something year old Ron Washington dancing in the dugout. Yes. And it's like, yes, I saw that. Okay. Like this is a team thing. They all do this. And so it's, so, and so I think his stats are so unimpeachable that if you if somebody has to go to the well, he dances as he's rounding the bases to ding him <laughs> and not vote for him. They weren't going to vote for him anyway. Well, and you you heard uh, Glavin said it whenever I uh, got a chance to visit with him, as he said, there are a lot of players in baseball that do things as well as Acuna does them. None of them do everything that he does as well. He's the entire package. And that's what sets him apart from the Mookies of the world. And don't get me wrong. Mookie's the only, in my opinion, Mookie's the only one that's given him a race for it. And the reason being is because Mookie's played second, right, center, short. short. He's filled in at, at, at first one point in time during the season. They said the other night they were talking about, it. I don't think he's pitched yet in like a blowout game. Um, but he's basically played minimum five positions thus far on the season. And so I get it. He's your utility guy that still bats over 300 and can hit for power as small as he is. But at the end of the day, he ain't yanking the bases that Ronnie is. I mean, that's the, that's again, he does a lot of stuff. Good. He doesn't do everything good that Ronald does. Yeah. And that's to me, most valuable player should be a player that, can contribute in every single facet to your team. And I mean, even, even defensively, Ronald doesn't get graded out fantastic, but when you include what he can do with his arm, yes. he does it like, like the, the, the versions of the defensive fielding stats that include your, uh, your arm, you know, your outfit assists and things like that, they grade him a lot higher. And so nobody can do everything he can do. And I think that's, he's the MVP and it shouldn't be, I'm not saying he could stop right now for the rest of the season and still win it, but he should be the prohibitive favorite unless Mookie hits 20 home runs in September. Correct. With that said, winning the series, that it seems to be the correct formula. I know that it'll leave everybody a bad taste in their mouth, uh, the way the series wrapped up with a three, one loss. But, uh, the important thing is it's the first time that the Braves have won the series quite a while in LA. Yeah, I mean, they were 2-10 in the regular season entering this series, and they had not won a four-game series in L.A. since 2009. And even the, the, the postseason in 21, where Atlanta beat them to go to the World Series, Atlanta was only 1-2 and two in L.A. And so this series, to me, did a couple things for Atlanta. And like one is it said that this is a different Braves team than some of those other Braves teams in the past, right? Mm -hmm. They're not scared of facing an amazing juggernaut like the Dodgers. Like the, they're not, they're not scared. They're not odd. They're like, okay, we're going to go out and play baseball. Yep. But then also they won in high scoring games. They won in low scoring games. The Dodgers offense is the second best offense in baseball behind Atlantis. And they held them to very low run numbers in all four games. Mm -hmm. And it's like not necessarily something that we knew that the Braves pitching. There was just a month ago we were like, "Hey, is the Braves pitching okay?" Yeah. And mm -hmm. 
look what they did in this series. You had your four guys. You had Freed, you had Schreider, you had Morton, you had Elder go out, and you won three of the four games. And arguably, you didn't lose game four because of Charlie Morton. You lost game nope. four because you couldn't hit off of Bobby Miller. And so it's like, okay, this is a different Braves team. And uh, they won the series. They now have a six-game lead for uh, home field advantage in the National League, and they hold the tiebreaker on the Dodgers as well. And your schedule's pretty favorable coming up. Other than seven games with Philly or six games with Philly, you don't play anybody that's good the rest of the year. So I feel good about like this series set Atlanta up to almost cruise into hmm. the postseason. You just have to hope they can keep the bats hot as they get in, into October. Well, you made a good point there, and that that is, and that was my next point on on the rundown that we had was this team is just never out of the fight. Uh, it just never feels like even in the final game of the series, three one, Olson throws a blooper in the left, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. Ozuna's fixing to tie this up because yep. he's been hot as of late and about to kill the dreams of Dodger fans. And and now that didn't happen, but I think that's the mentality that this team has. You could have seen it coming though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you saw that the 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 game before with Arcia, who stepped up there and who would have thought that he would have been the guy in extra innings to park a three-run bomb in left center. Yeah, I mean, it's so many Braves are having like career years this year. And we have a, a, a story coming out on Monday about some of the Braves statistical milestones this year and where some of the individual players are towards their career highs and things like that. And it's at this point, it's not fluky, right? This is who the Braves are. The Braves coaching staff makes these players better. The Bra the players play better when they get here. And, I mean, I, it's very, very early. But, mm -hmm. knock on wood, this feels like one of the better Braves teams in my lifetime. And, obviously, it's very early. Postseason, a lot of stuff can happen. A lot of luck and, and play there. But from a sheer talent perspective, this is one of the best Braves teams in my lifetime. It, just because every position is so deep. I agree with that, and I think a lot of that helps. I mean, I mentioned um, Arcia. Uh, that's, I don't think anybody, myself included, had the expectations. I understand he was an all-star. I understand he's got some accolades. I think that when we were making that transition from Dansby to we thought maybe Grissom, we thought RCF, you know, splitting time to maybe that being a platoon position at the first part of the year, and for some reason, something has just come alive on him on this season. I mean, you got the all-star numbers. You got the walk. You know, you got the the walk-offs that he's had. You've got the the three-run bombs that he hits late in games. He just seems unfazed by this. And that, that was one thing Snitker said post-game. He said that he's just one of those guys that he has. He has he referred to him. He has a low heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's very much that's the culture. I was talking to Ben Ingram for our for this pod a couple weeks ago, and he talked about like just this Braves team is different. Like all of these guys. They believe in one another. They believe in, in what they're doing. They believe in what the organization, how they've set them up to be successful. And it's, this, this is the kind of thing that drives like the statistical folks nuts because like you can't measure any of this, right? You, right. you, you, you can't measure how you can take a guy and, like uh, Jesse Chavez and he can pitch great for you and you can ship him to LA and he's so bad they DFA him in three weeks and yep. he comes back to Atlanta and signs. But the guy you got for him is Rysel Iglesias, who is now just named uh, reliever of the of the month for the National yeah. League for August. And it's this is the stuff you can't quantify, but this is the Atlanta Braves. And it's a it's great to be a fan of this team. Uh, get back to the Braves and Dodgers just a little bit to recap really quickly. Two things. Uh, number one, did the Dodgers give up 
uh, late in the series when they pulled Mookie and Freddie, and then they just happened to get a rookie that caught a hanger and put them within uh, within a few of the Braves. And number two, uh, we talked about Mookie Betts and him being a MVP candidate, but MVP candidates, as he did in that final um, game of the series, they don't make base running errors where they have no idea how many outs are on the board. Yeah, uh, they they gave up when they pulled Freddie and Mookie and got lucky. That was Colton Wong's first at-bat as a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was DFA'd right. earlier in the season by Seattle and was in their minor leagues for a while, and they called him up, and he did that. They, they gave up and got lucky on that. Um, but I think when you compare the two, Ronald outplayed Mookie, and it wasn't necessarily that close. Yes, Mookie adds some value because he there was multiple games where he started off at second base and then shifted to right field partway through the game after a pinch hitter in the fourth or fifth inning or whatever they did it because L.A. loves to do it super early and mm. then move guys all around. But it was... The base running blunder ended up being big for them. And yes, they won, but it... it, it Ended an inning, an inning early. When you're in scoring mm-hmm. position, like or a chance to be in scoring position, you can't do something like that. And it's easy to say that's not an MVP play. It, it is a mistake. Guys make mistakes. Ronald's made base running mistakes before, but it does feel super easy, easy and nice to just kind of dunk on him for it and say, "Hey, man, <laughs> like you can't do yeah. that. You should have done that." But yeah, yeah. Listen, it's an easy target. Had to take advantage of it. Uh, speaking of. Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, and this is both baseball and non-baseball related. Lindsey, did he not have the best day ever during this series? Yeah. So if <laughs> if you missed the, I actually think we might have been the one, the first ones to get the story up on it. But Ronald Acuna Jr. got married last week. Uh, long story short, he's been dating his now wife for about five years, and they're both from Venezuela. And mm-hmm. she was going to have to leave for visa reasons. And she was going to have to be back in Venezuela for at least three months before she could come back to the States. And they have two children together. The children were born here. They could stay, but Ronald is obviously a busy person. And so they were going to have to go with her. And so they coordinated and they got married like a quick 24 hours. They got the ceremony. His agent got the ceremony uh, booked, scheduled and executed and done. And then he goes out that night and sets the record for 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases in a season with a grand slam. Mm. And it's like, okay, best day ever. <laughs> yeah, that is a great day. I mean, it's it, you know, one of the best lines Matt Olson said. He said, I'm thinking about renewing my vows next series. Maybe something like that happens. Uh, Snitaker didn't even know till after the game. Uh, that's when somebody brought it up. So, I, I mean, that's how quickly it all came about. But, uh, you're right. Uh, kudos to the the writing staff for Braves today because there were a lot of rumors going around that seemed to be one of the most solid as far as exactly what happened uh, type deals. Those of you that were able to get on uh, online and read it and uh, and great for you and the rest of the staff for kind of coming up with that and, and putting it together and, and throwing it out there because I was actually reading it while the game's going on. And then you start seeing tweets come about from other writers. And, uh, they start talking and- about it during the broadcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So – uh, one of those deals where uh, kudos to you guys and, uh, and for, for for grabbing that and jumping all over it. So uh, I will Thanks. say this: now we we move on and uh, we get past them and 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 you know what's next is matchups. We talked about the season. We don't want to look forward to the Phillies 
um, and, and start looking ahead. But that seems to be the most important couple of series that's going to be taking place. Uh, but what's next for the Braves? Yeah, so you've you've got off day on Monday, which is nice. They've been gone from home for a while. Yeah. They've been on the West Coast. That way, they had they had three different series in three West Coast cities. Uh, but off day on Monday, Tuesday through Thursday, three against the Cardinals, 50, 59 and 78, last place in the Central. Uh, Miles Mikolas pitches on Monday, four ERA over four and a half, double digit losses on the year. Dakota Hudson on Wednesday, Adam Wainwright on Thursday. Adam Wainwright's ERA is 8.1. Oh, yeah. Um, and so Atlanta He's has a guy a couple of years ago I was wanting to bring on board. So I'm glad yeah. that didn't happen. So Atlanta's rotation is officially TBD on Tuesday, Spencer Strider on Wednesday, Max Fried on Thursday. And Tuesday would have been Darius Vines. You sent Darius Vines down when you brought Ben Heller back up. And mm-hmm. so a couple questions as to who would pitch on Tuesday. Michael Soroka would be on regular rest to take the start on Tuesday. But also Michael Soroka's date. The uh, We wrote about this in, in mid-August. If he comes up before September 13th and you don't send him back down before the season ends, he will accrue enough service time to be a free agent after 2024. Whereas okay. if you wait until after the 13th to call him up, he won't, he'll be a free agent after 2025. And the reason that's important is because Max Freed is a free agent after 2024. And Charlie Morton, if you pick up his, his club option for next year, is a free agent after 2024. So if you call Soroka up for Tuesday, you have to send him back down because if not, you could lose three starting pitchers in the same offseason after 2024. So even though the position players are there, it could really hurt the Braves pitching-wise uh, whenever we roll around a year from now. So uh, something to keep in mind and seeing how they they play things uh, with uh, Alex Anthopoulos and, and the rest of the crew and um, I, I know that if you, not that I'm saying dynasty is out there in front, but the Braves with the moves they've made thus far, Lindsay, I mean, would you not agree they're set up for the next two to three years to have a really good run over these next three years, as long as they could keep arms up on the mound? I'd argue probably the next five years. Like, I mean, from now, I mean, you, you could go as far as saying now through the end of the decade, but really probably the next three to five years, this mm-hmm. is this is the largest of competitive windows that you would see in modern MLB. The way that contracts work, the way that free agents work, the money involved. You know, a lot of teams, their window is a year or two years. Mm-hmm. This feels this feels like it's an extended window of World Series contention, like you said, provided you could keep the arms. And I think that's why you've seen so many of these drafts be so heavy towards pitching, right? Mm. Because you have almost all your position players locked up, but your rotation for 2025 could be Spencer Strider and then, I guess, Kyle Wright and Elder, AJ Smith Shaver, Hurston Waldrop. It's not bad, but like Mike Soroka could make that better. And so that's the question. If you can keep the pitching pipeline going and keep getting good quality playoff starters, you're in a three to five year window where you're, not a lock, but you're pretty, it's pretty good. You're going to make the postseason and be able to go deep. And the question will be, will luck be in your favor to win the World Series? Yeah, it feels like even on a down year, they can still make the postseason as like a wild card or something of that nature mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. So uh, keep that in mind. My prediction, uh, two of three out of St. Louis. You? I think I'm going to go with the sweep. 
I don't normally do oh. sweeps. Tom Glavin on this show talked about how hard it is to sweep a team, but I feel like it's been a while, and I just I've been a while since I've called a sweep, so I'm going to call a sweep against St. Louis. Great, we have a hiccup. We'll go one and one and two this next time around, all because of uh, me and Lindsay, because we're the ones that threw that out there. So uh, nice. He's Lindsay Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. All the written work find it at Braves Today, BravesToday.com. Lindsay, as always, I greatly appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Go check it out, bravetoday.com. That's Lindsey Crosby, Ben Taylor. They put out a podcast after every single Atlanta Braves series. They had a huge win over the weekend in L.A. And if you look at the back half of the schedule for the Braves, it is so favorable for them. It's unbelievable. And then, as Lindsey mentioned, is the luck on your side in the playoffs to try to win the World Series. We'll take a quick break, come right back, and wrap it up here on the Labor Day edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line on a Labor Day here uh, on 2023. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, If you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and check out the podcast at ESPNAU.com. You can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast as well. Uh, Big thanks to uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joined us in the first hour and then Lindsey Crosby, Ben Taylor allowing me to use their Brave Today podcast. They do a fantastic job man. their listeners and, and readership is just growing like wildfire man. It's unbelievable. So go check them out bravestoday.com uh, and before I get out of here and Bill and Dan uh, step in the studio for the drive from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 106.7 uh, this week's orthopedic clinic high school player of the week we do it every single week throughout football season uh, and this week's orthopedic clinic high school player of the week is Lee Scott Academy's J.J. Myers the senior running back for the Warriors was a major part of the offense on Friday night and I was over there on the call he got two rushing scores as part of a 51 point performance for Lee Scott they defeated Monroe 51 to 0 J.J. Myers, your Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week. The Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you online at theorthoclinic.com. Well, this was a great show today. Recapping Auburn UMass tomorrow on the show. We'll talk more college football. Plus, I'll give you my more insights on Auburn as they get ready to take on UMass coming up on Saturday. Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 will join us in studio as well. Auburn picked up a recruit. We didn't even get to talk about it today. We will tomorrow with Christian Clemente plus Daryl Dapridge as well. Two to four here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.